talk about all things cannabis and Ohio's budding medical program. Now that some product is available, what does that mean for law enforcement? And what pitfalls might patients encounter? This is Kelly Beyer with the Canton Repository, and to answer those questions, I spoke with area law enforcement and Cleveland-based attorney Ian Friedman. Most agencies are treating medical cannabis like any other new law. Stark County Sheriff George Meyer said only a few issues set his office apart. Because it's marijuana, I think it's got uh, a heightened attention from everybody. But it's no different than any other new law that we deal with. We will take our time and we will make sure that we research this thoroughly before we, you know, start making any arrest or issue any citations. And so the prosecutor's office, in conjunction with my office, will be on the same page uh, as it relates to any future enforcement. We do have the jail, and we are the agency responsible for uh, issuing concealed carry uh, handgun license. Other than that, I'm sure we're in the same boat as everybody else. Those two things give us a little bit of a twist, although I would tell you that we're really not too concerned about it. We think that, you know, uh, in working with our local prosecutor, that we will we'll work our way through this. Attorney Ann Friedman offered additional insight on the potential ramifications patients should be aware of. I'm a criminal defense lawyer based in Cleveland, Ohio. I am the founding partner of Friedman and Nemechek, uh, and uh, all of the lawyers in the office are uh, focused uh, within the realm of criminal defense, uh, both in Ohio and across the country and uh, and uh, internationally. Um, our interest with the medicinal marijuana began in the last few years uh, with out-of-state medicinal marijuana card holders, uh, not quite obviously Ohio because we're just rolling that out now, uh, but we've seen a number of prosecutions uh, throughout Ohio for people who possessed uh, marijuana for their personal use, who believed it was okay because uh, they had uh, cards or recommendations from other states uh, and had to learn the hard way that uh, Ohio had uh, zero tolerance uh, for it was not recognizing uh, their uh, medicinal uh, status. And uh, so those cases were dealt with. So we've seen kind of how Ohio dealt with them in the past. It's going to be interesting now, however, to see how it's dealt with uh, as Ohio rolls out its program. And the reason is, and the difference is, Ohio is the one, obviously, that's created it now. And I think that this is going to be an interesting and very necessary uh, interview because, frankly, I think if you were to sum up my opinion so far of how this has been done, uh, I would say it's very uh, reactive, uh, rather poor. Uh, and I think there have been a lot of areas uh, within the area of uh, criminal defense and issues that are going to arise with people being charged that have not been um, dealt with affirmatively and, and should have been. Uh, so this law is going to evolve uh, very quickly, and it's going to evolve in the courtrooms, unfortunately, because it wasn't done ahead of time. Okay. And is there a single most issue you've seen come up or a question you receive the most? Well, you know, every case obviously is, is different. I think that the issue in Ohio uh, is going to be how to determine impairment. Uh, I think that that's going to be an issue because, it, you know, really right now at the start of things, and I know this is kind of a scary proposition, but anyone with a medicinal marijuana card that has used uh, for 
uh, medical reasons is in jeopardy of violating Ohio law, even though Ohio's passed uh, this program, because the testing standards and the, the way to detect have not been made uniform yet. So I think that's going to be a major issue. And I think the other thing that people can't forget is that even though it's legal here in the state, uh, it is uh, remains illegal federally. And that's got great uh, implications that people should be well aware of before they uh, get the recommendation for uh, their use. Okay. And so a medical cannabis patient, if they do drive, they're essentially risking an OVI no matter whether they consider themselves to be impaired or not? Well, they are, because what ends up happening, if you look, let's look at it kind of in a practical uh, scenario here. So let's say you're pulled over for whatever reason, and the officer uh, asks you, you know, have you been drinking? No. Have you used uh, marijuana? Yes, I have a, uh, a, a recommendation for medicinal use. So right there, you have likely given the police officer probable cause uh, to uh, to keep you roadside to further their investigation and potentially arrest you um, because you know they presently do not have any uh, reliable testing to do roadside you've admitted to consuming the drug and now you are uh, putting yourself out there to be arrested so that you can later be tested that gets into a whole nother issue kelly with the uh, testing and and you know what uh, makes up or what the composition of the results are so uh, yeah just a mere admission to its use is is likely going to be the cause necessary for the officer to hold you instead of just letting you go and they're able to make an arrest or citation with just a, a roadside field sobriety test but the state has its own sort of limits for medical or, well, just cannabis amounts in your blood or urine, as I understand. Right. So the problem is, you know, that unlike alcohol, let's say, marijuana is going to, you know, the metabolite is going to process through your system at a much slower rate. Okay. What they really should be testing for is the content THC, which is uh, the the component that uh, would alter one state, perhaps put them in you know, greater risk driving and so forth. While that process processes through the system at a quicker rate, you still have the metabolite that doesn't affect your mental state, but that does play into the read. And it's a very low read. We're talking you know, nanograms here, right? So you may have uh, utilized your medicinal marijuana days ago. You may not be under the effect of it today. It is in no way altering your mindset. However, the tests that are in play today and what they're testing for, since they're not isolating THC, would still have you above limit and therefore subject to a prosecution for uh, an OVI based upon marijuana. So that's a, that's a very scary uh, thing you use on Friday, you're pulled over on Wednesday, and you could still be in trouble. So they're going to have to deal with that down the road. Are there THC-specific tests, or how have other states dealt with that? So there are additional tests that can be done, you know, blood, uh, serum, hair, and so forth. But, you know, even the uh, executive director and president of the Ohio Prosecuting Attorneys Association, you know, noted that those tests usually aren't done except in more serious incidents, perhaps fatalities. They're expensive. So, you know, they're going to go to urine 
right away and not be able to make that distinction as to, you know, what is just metabolite, what is uh, THC. So again, this is where I think it is incumbent upon Ohio's attorney general to come up with a uniform policy that all of the law enforcement agencies uh, across uh, Ohio's 88 counties and also Ohio State Highway Patrol must follow. Otherwise, you're just going to have a checkerboard of uh, inconsistent prosecutions. And to switch to possession. I've been told patients have to have their card available and product in original containers to avoid a citation or charges. Is there anything else they should be aware of? No. You know, again, subject to what we were just talking about, obviously. And also, you know, you have to look at what I call the collateral consequences. People need to think about these things. It's not just as easy as getting the card and having it in the container and having your recommendation paper with you. You know, you do need to look at your place of employment, right? You need to uh, look at any aspects of federal law. I get a lot of calls for people who are concerned about their Second Amendment rights. How will getting a medical marijuana card affect their ability to own or purchase a firearm? And since that, you know, the, the firearm aspect is federal, your having a medicinal marijuana card could exempt you from uh, your ability to purchase a firearm. It's asked uh, specifically uh, on the application to purchase at the time, and you uh, likely will be barred uh, if you claim that you've got a license. This is just one of you know potential consequences. There's others like getting federal funding for college and you know anything like that. So you really, you know, it's unfortunate that you've got a way out your need for medicine. You may have just found the one medicine that works for you. You may have a very serious condition. This is the first time in your life that you're feeling better, yet you may be penalized in many other facets of your life. And that's I think the struggle that people are going to find themselves in here. Okay. Yeah. And gun ownership was one of the issues I've seen come up a number of times. Does that sort of act retroactively if someone already owns a gun? Do they need to be worried if they want to become a cannabis patient through the state or you know, what should they take into account? Sure. So right now, there is nothing to suggest that would run retroactively. So there's nothing that indicates that someone who gets a license is then going to be contacted by the federal government with a letter that says turn in your firearms. So if you already own it, as of this date, uh, there's not going to be a problem. If you want to purchase a gun or a certain type of federal firearms license, uh, that would be a problem. You know, you hear about the the gun show loopholes where you don't have to do the background checks and so forth. I think that a lot of people who are getting the medicinal cards uh, are going, if they want to purchase a firearm, are probably going to be going to the gun shows to purchase their firearms because, again, there they're not subject to the background checks. They do ask in the application, are you uh, substance dependent, you know, alcohol, drugs, have you ever been treated for drugs? And so I think that if you deny it and you have a card, now you have committed a federal crime by lying on a federal application. So if you get a card and you're filling out that form, you have to answer it truthfully. And you're going to be rejected for purchasing the firearm, but that's much better uh, than being prosecuted for committing a fraud on a, a government application. And then lastly, how does or does Ohio's legislation of medical cannabis apply to inmates in jail or prison? You know, that is a great question, and I have to tell you, I do not know the answer to that right now. I do not, and that's a good question and something that uh, uh, also has to be looked at. But 
you know, we have been given probably the most uh, common uh, scenarios out there, and um, that has not been one of them. So you're actually, Kelly, the first one to bring that up. So I, I commend you on that one, and uh, obviously uh, we need to address that. You know, I always have to look at these things from a very practical standpoint, and it would, if that were allowed to happen, I could not imagine that an inmate uh, would be allowed to walk around, even if it were in their originally marked container around a penal institution with marijuana, because it's such a uh, sought-after commodity in the prisons. Uh, I think it would cause a lot of chaos. It would cause a lot of, uh, of violence just to get it. There would be abuse and sales. So it, that's why I don't even think it's been uh, contemplated. You know, if it were allowed uh, under the state of Iowa, and I could see an inmate bringing a suit to allow them to have the status to get that card, it would be kept in the infirmary under medical supervision and given out as as recommended. All right. Yeah, I think our local Stark County Sheriff had mentioned that he's considering it, uh, that it will not apply to inmates. But I've only seen, I think, news stories from maybe one other state that actually addressed that issue. So... So, yeah, and that's and that's why I think it honestly no one has, has thought of it because it's I guess at face value something that would be unacceptable. But you you can expect there's there's I would be shocked. And in fact I, I, I can say it here, somebody will bring a lawsuit that says I am a resident of Ohio, even though I am I reside in a penal institution and I have the right to uh, that medicinal marijuana. It'll be that's an interesting legal question. All right. Well, that covers all my questions, and unless there's anything else you would like to add or you think that listeners should know. Well, yeah, I would say this. Look, it's very important to have your eyes wide open in this landscape, okay? I think that you are putting yourself in jeopardy if you simply get your uh, recommendation from a doctor and you get your prescription and you just kind of go on to daily life because there really are going to be a lot of traps for lack of a better term and you know and this is not a solicitation for clients for me this is a recommendation uh, for people to consult with lawyers people that they know um, across the state so that you know, they can get their questions answered ahead of time. It's always unfortunate. What I hate to see are good people get caught up in bad situations. They get stuck in court and they say, gee, I just didn't know. And more times than not, that's absolutely true. Had they addressed it and kind of consulted with a lawyer up front, they could have saved themselves headaches in time, anxiety, and money. Uh, and and here, you know, this is what I tell people the time. You know, this to me is no different than when people were excited to get um, carrying concealed weapon licenses when Ohio rolled that out uh, a few years ago. You know, people just went and they got their licenses, and and then they started getting in trouble. And when they would come to our office, I'd say, well, you know, did you know this? Did you know that? And they said, you know, Ian, I had no idea that was illegal. This to me is no different, and it really calls for uh, people. Uh, taking action on the front end. Consult with counsel. Talk to your local sheriff. Talk to law enforcement up front and get their opinions. If you have a question ahead of time, for instance, will I get in trouble uh, if I'm driving and I go to pick up my child and, you know, I have the marijuana on me? Okay. Don't find out the hard way you know, through court, find out ahead of time, ask those questions, call a lawyer. And I think uh, a small investment on the front end is, is going to bring back 
much greater reward because again there's nothing worse than having to unnecessarily go through uh, the legal system and as i began your program i said it then i'll say it now the ohio legislature has not thought this out well and that's why i predict that a lot of these uh, questions are going to be answered in a courtroom by a prosecutor and a judge and a jury and if you don't want to be that person that the test is you know is the subject of that test case then do your homework up front and hopefully uh, you'll have smooth sailing thereafter and, and that medicine will work for you for once Great. Well, thank you very much for your time today. I appreciate it. No, you're very welcome, Kelly. Thanks for coming. This is really important.